listening to the Miracle Word Podcast. We believe that the Word of God gives you the power to experience never-ending increase in every area. If you're ready for revelation that will take you to the next level, you're in the right place. Here's your host, evangelist, author, and founder of Miracle Word University, Ted Shuttlesworth, Jr. All right, let's go. Zephaniah. Zephaniah chapter one, I'm giving you a little extra time to hit the contents page first and figure out where Zephaniah is in your Bible. There's like 30% of you that are currently in Zechariah until you just heard me say Zephaniah again. Um, What's up, Kareem? (laughs) And so I'm going to start in chapter one. We're going to read one verse of scripture. uh, The sixth verse, Zephaniah 1.6. I'm reading in the New Living Translation. And uh, I want you to see something with me tonight that uh, will probably blow some people's minds. This is something Israel did that made God upset. And it'll blow your mind what it is. There's my friend, Daryl Norick. Love you, buddy. It is fresh from the throne. Absolutely. Um, I'm sure we'll do something like that, Nathan, for people to have it. Zephaniah 1.6, I want you to... uh, I want you to listen to this. This is the New Living Translation, by the way. Uh, The Bible says, and I will destroy those who used to worship me, but now they no longer do. So that's number one. They no longer ask for the Lord's guidance. That's number two. And they do not seek my blessings. That's number three. So you see right here, three things that upset God about his people in the Old Testament Number one, they used to worship me, but they no longer do. Number two, they used to ask for my guidance in life, but now they no longer do. And number three, they don't anymore. They no longer seek my blessings. Isn't that interesting to you that one of the things that uh, God listed as the reason he was going to destroy the people is because they refused to seek his blessings. That's That blows my mind that God wants to bless his people so much that it angers him when they refuse to seek his blessings. You know, if you listen to it from like a religious person's standpoint, and there's plenty of those to listen to, by the way, if you listen to it from a religious person's standpoint, you would think, by the way, many people preach the blessing of God, you would think that Christians are just super greedy and uh, they love money, and uh, the only reason that they they pursue these things is because you know they have a wrong per, a perspective about wealth and about God, and that they're they want more than they should want, and uh, and that they shouldn't be petitioning God all the time for these things. Where in reality, even under a worse covenant than what we have right now, the Bible says that God was ready to destroy them because they wouldn't seek his blessings anymore. Think about how much God wants to bless you that it angers him to the point of destruction when you don't even want his blessings anymore. I mean, I mean, think about just in the natural realm. If you went to somebody's birthday party and you took time to pick them out a gift, to wrap it, to prepare it, you brought it, you set it on the gift table at the party, and it went when it came time uh, for everybody to open the gifts. They they looked at your gift when it was time to open yours, and they're like, "You know what? I don't even care. I don't want it. I don't want it. You just take it back wherever you got it." 
That would hurt your feelings. As somebody who loved the person enough to take the time to go out and find them a gift, buy them a gift, wrap the gift, bring the gift, and put it in their house. And then they look at it and say, you know, I'm not, I'm not really interested in it. I don't want your gift. I don't even want to open your gift. So just go ahead and take it back. Uh, that would hurt your feelings. Think about how God feels when his own people do that to him. He has already prepared the gifts for you. He has already set the gifts aside for you. In fact, Ephesians chapter one and verse three, the Bible says that we've been blessed with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ. So there are no blessings that God has not provided and prepared for us. But think how many Christians don't even seek the Lord's blessing. They, they're taught it's wrong to seek the Lord's blessing. And I'm talking about blessing in the natural. They're taught it's wrong to expect financial increase. They're taught that. I mean, I'm sure there's people that are on the broadcast right now. You've been taught that. It's wrong. You should not believe God for financial blessings. You should just be content with what you have. The two, those two things are not mutually exclusive. Did you ever think of that? It's not either or, it's and. It's not either or, it's and. I want you to start by putting that in the comments tonight. It's not either or, it's and. When people say that kind of stuff, you shouldn't be asking God for financial increase. You should just be content with what you have. Yes, both things are true. I should be believing for increase according to scripture, but in whatever state I find myself, I should be content. I should be happy. I shouldn't, I shouldn't say, well, I'm not going to be happy. I won't be happy or joyful or, or content until I get that thing. No, I'm not going to act, act like that. I understand what contentment is. I will be happy. I will be joyful. I am, I am thankful in the place. Let, let me give you a, a, just a, an example. You know, I, I thank God for the house that I live in today, but I didn't always live in this house. It's the best thing I've ever lived in by far, and I'm thankful for it. It's a massive blessing. But even the house I lived in before this one that was rented was not as nice as this one, but I was happy in that house. Before I moved to Florida and lived in the house that I owned in Virginia, let me tell you something. I was thankful for that house, and that house is nice. It's not anywhere as nice as this one, but it's nice, and I was thankful for it. I wasn't sitting around angry in my house because of the level of house that I purchased and thought, I can't believe that I have to sit around in this house. You know, when I'm a king's kid, I should be in a... No, I, I was happy. I was excited to have purchased that home and to, and to have lived in it. But let me tell you, before that, I didn't live in that house forever. You know, when I was a college student, I had an apartment in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Well, let me tell you, the apartment that I had in Oklahoma was nothing compared to the house in Virginia. But you know what? It was my first time ever living away from home. It was my first thing that I ever rented and lived in myself. I was very happy living in that apartment. Think about that. I was very happy living in that apartment. I was content. 
I didn't sit around the apartment thinking to myself, I can't believe that as a child of God, I have to live in this apartment in Tulsa, Oklahoma. No, no. I was content with where God had me at that moment, but I knew this is my this is not my last stop on the road of increase. That's a big point that you got to get in your spirit. In fact, that's something I want you guys to write in the comments. This is not my last stop on the road of increase. This is not my last stop on the road of increase. Not by a long shot. Not by a long shot. And I want you to write that because if you think about it, if you think about it like a subway or a train, there are multiple stops along the way. Multiple stops. And here's the interesting point. You don't get off on the stop that is not yours. It's just where you are currently. Does that make sense to you? What I'm saying when I say that? If you were to get on the subway in New York City or in any city, if you were to get on the train somewhere and you were going, for example, if you were going to go uptown in New York City, well, you don't get on the train. Like I'll tell you something me and Zach were doing for for a long time. Uh, We did it for about a week straight. We were staying in Brooklyn. Zach Ramsey that was in New York folding his arms and being angry behind a computer screen. Zach and I were in Brooklyn, New York. But every day, we would go into um, Lower Manhattan. And so we would get on the train in Brooklyn where we were staying, and we knew that where we were, that station, would take us all the way in to the 42nd Street Bryant Park Station. That's where we wanted to get off the train because we found a place that had phenomenal lobster tacos. And it blew our mind. And so we would go from Brooklyn all the way in to 42nd Street Bryant Park, stop on the train, on the subway. Well, there are multiple stops before you get to 42nd Street Bryant Park when you're coming from Brooklyn. And so I know where I started and I know where I want to end, but notice this, as we're riding on the train, we don't get off the subway before our stop comes. We don't get off the subway before our stop comes because we know where we're headed. But at the same time, when the, when the train stops, because there is a stop there, we don't pull the thing and then start yelling at the conductor. I told you I wanted to go. He's not really angry. I'm just messing around. He's a friend of mine and he's not angry. You know, if, if, it st- if the subway stops at another stop, I don't pull the thing and start yelling at the conductor. I told you that I wanted to go to the 42nd Street Bryant Park stop. And what are you doing stopped here at this stop? No, I understand that we're on the way there. There are stops along the way, but we're on the way there. And so I would not get off at a stop that wasn't my stop and stay there for the rest of my life. That would be foolish. But there are stops along the way. It's the same in the in, in, in your life of increase is that you're on your way somewhere. You understand? You're on your way somewhere. You're not there yet, but you're headed there. But there are stops along the way. But contentment keeps you where you need to be throughout the journey. But faith and expectancy keeps its eyes on where you are 
headed. My grandfather used to say it this way. Yeah, write it in the comments. This is not my last stop on the road to increase. That's right. This is not my last stop. It's not your last stop. My grandfather used to say it this way. I'm satisfied with a dissatisfied satisfaction. You hear that? I'm satisfied with a dissatisfied satisfaction. What does that mean? I'm happy about where God has brought me from, but I know he's not done here. I'm headed somewhere else. So I'm satisfied, but still knowing there's somewhere else for me to go. There's somewhere else for me to be. And so that needs to be our, that needs to be our mindset. It's not either or, it's and. There should be contentment and there should be expectation. There's got to be contentment. There's got to be expectation. And if you listen to the religious mindset that's in the church that predominantly teaches on this subject, you would feel vilified for believing God for financial increase. It doesn't matter how many prosperity scriptures and the understanding of that doctrine is pulled out. There's always going to be somebody that keeps telling you and keeps talking to you saying, you know, that's a very, very greedy way to live. In my opinion, that's a greedy way to live. Oh, really? Is that a greedy way to live? Well, let me ask you a question. Has your prosperity, has the level of your prosperity allowed you to feed hundreds of children every single day? Or do you just feed you and your own children? See, this is the way you got to start thinking. Because the more I have, the more I can do. Think of that. The more I have, the more I can do. So what has your level of prosperity allowed you to do? That's the question you need to ask. Oh, really? Because I would argue, and you should argue with a person like that that says, you know, that's a very greedy way to live. You should say, no, your way of thinking is a very selfish way to live. Very selfish way. Because your faith only allows for you to be provided for and for you to be blessed. My level of faith allows not only me to be blessed, but me to overflow so that I am actually a provider. I'm a blessing to others. I'm the one that God raises up to feed the hungry, to clothe the naked, to help the orphan. To I mean, you go right down the, the, the list. You think my way of believing is greedy? I promise you, your way of thinking is selfish. Because as long as it's all about me, if my bills are paid, if my kids eat, if I got enough clothes, then that's all I need. Yeah, that's all you need if you want to be a nobody. That's all you need if you don't want to make any impact in your world. Think about it logically. Think about it logically. Say, well, brother, we shouldn't want anything beyond our needs because that becomes great. No, you don't understand the work of the gospel. You don't understand what Christians are called to do. You don't understand. If you live that way and think that way, keep on living that way if you want to literally make zero impact for the kingdom of God in your life. Zero. Because that's what those kind of people do. They make no impact whatsoever for the kingdom of God. None. Those types of people aren't aren't normally even tithers, let alone givers. 
And by the way, tithing is, is literally the most base level of giving that you could ever enter into. People tithe and then they act like they did God a service. Well, I want you to know I'm a tither. Big deal. Big deal. Every Christian should be a tither. That's not like an achievement. You don't get a medal for that. Well, I want you to know, brother, that I'm a tither. Big deal. That's like as an adult looking at somebody and saying, I want you to know I tie my own shoes. Big deal. Every adult should tie their own shoes and every Christian should tithe. So people, it, that, that's how bad it's gotten. That like, you know, you start talking about, uh, uh, forget about prosperity. You talk about just tithing. And people feel like they've done God a, a service, like a statue should be erected in their honor in the church parking lot because they pay their tithes. Big deal. Big deal. That's nothing. That's nothing. Tithing is nothing. It's what you do for God beyond the tithe that establishes who you are in the kingdom, not the tithe. Want you to know that I tie my own shoes every morning, brother. Big deal. We all do because we're all adults and every Christian should be a tither. You shouldn't have churches. <clears throat> there shouldn't be churches across America where the pastor has to deal with the fact that only 8% of his congregation actually pays their tithes. It's ridiculous. And then people are all getting all up in arms about what the pastor is and isn't doing. How about just you do what the Bible says to do? There's no participation trophy. It's like, you know, you don't get an award because that's like, that's as dumb as saying like, well, I want you to know, brother, that I, I strive to live holy. Yeah, big deal. Every Christian should strive to live holy. You don't get an award. You go to heaven like the rest of us. It's just, it's just crazy. You shouldn't have to be told to, to tithe and give. I mean, obviously preachers should preach it. Many don't. Many won't preach it. They're afraid about the, the controversy that follows it. You know, people get angry about it in the, I, here he goes talking about money again. Meanwhile, 80, is Nick Greenwood still on the night? Nick, Nick, are you on? If you're on, let me know. Because we put those statistics up, what, a couple broadcasts ago. Let me know if you're on, Nick. What do we put up? Over 80% of, of people in America are under a mound of debt. They're in debt. They're not living in financial freedom. They're in debt. You, you understand? And so people act like, the, here he goes teaching about money. He's teaching you how to be blessed. He's teaching you how to overflow. He's teaching you how to get into what God wants for your life, financial freedom. Well, brother, how do you know God wants that? Because his promise to his children was, you will lend to many nations and you'll never borrow. How can you always be the lender and never the borrower if you're under a mound of debt from doing all the borrowing? It's God's desire that you not be the borrower, that you be the lender. Because the Bible says that the borrower is a slave to the lender. This is not your last stop on the road to increase. And so God has his own economic system. And he's expecting you 
He's expecting you to walk in his, look at that, Kelly's got the statistic, 82% of Americans are in debt and would have to go paycheck to paycheck because if everything was shut off, they've got no ability to pay those debts, let alone their bills. So, you know, the majority of America, that includes Christians, by the way, are living with no financial freedom and they don't want to hear any teaching on something that'll bring them into increase. Meanwhile, not only are they struggling financially, you've got marriages that are coming to an end because people can't deal with the financial pressure and stress. We're just going to go our own ways and do it. it. We're just going to, you know, do this on our own because we just haven't been able to make it work even financially. So it's not just now, it's not just people suffering financially, it's now relationships coming to an end because they can't get freedom in their finances. And there's Christians that kick back against this message for God knows what reason. They've been ingrained with a religious spirit that wants to keep the church poor. An antichrist spirit wants to keep the church poor and silent. Money talks. Money talks. When you've got money, the Bible says money answers all things. Money talks. Did you know that the Bible teaches that a poor man could run around in the street speaking wisdom and nobody would listen to him because he's poor? Doesn't mean what he didn't what he said's not right. It just means that people don't care what you have to say if you don't have any resources behind you. You you hear that? People don't care what you have to say when there's no resources behind you. A poor man could cry wisdom in the street and nobody would listen to him. Money answers all things. You know, it's the same reason. Why do you think that you get influential people onto talk shows? They're not political pundits. They're, they're not, you know, they're not congressmen or senators. But why is it that you get a movie star? onto a talk show and then start asking them about what they think about polit- the politics of the day. What? Who cares? All they do is make movies. Who cares about their political beliefs? But you know what? People want to know about what they think about it because they're a person of influence. It's like, you know, uh, they put out this documentary on Taylor Swift on Netflix, and I don't know how I got roped into watching it by my wife, but I did. And I, I repent publicly on this program. That, you know, um, whatever that thing is called, something about Miss Americana or whatever it is. Let me tell you something. She feels like, first of all, she has lost her mind. I pray for her. I, I, pray, I do pray that God touches and blesses her because I, I don't, I don't hate her or dislike her or anything like that at all. But, you know, she's on that documentary. I'm a Christian. I need to speak out because I'm a Christian. You know, and then, you know, marching for, uh, you know, LGBTQ rights and everything else and doesn't understand anything about Christianity, apparently. But, you know, ha- feels like that she needs to step up and start making political statements. Well, what you write, you know, teenage love songs. Who cares about your politics? Nobody cares. But you know why they do care? Because she's a person of influence. So even though she knows nothing about politics, if she debated anybody, if she debated anybody in politics, even at the lowest level, they would wipe the floor with her. She doesn't know anything about politics, but you know what? People want to know what she has to say. 
Why? Because she's influential. She's successful. She's got money. Money answers all things. And people want to know. They want to know. What does the successful person think? And that's exactly what happens. And one of the reasons God wants to lift you head and shoulders above the rest is that he wants to give you influence. That's right. Katrina said, Alyssa Milano, same thing. An actress from the 80s and 90s that everybody, and now she's this political, uh, you know, extremist. Like, who cares what you have to say about it? But people want to hear it. Why? Because influence, success gives you influence. People have a lot more to listen to. They'll sit there. If they think they're going to find out how to be successful like you are, they will sit there and listen to what you have to say, no matter how boring it is. Why do you think? I mean, it blows my mind. People don't know this. Think about it. God has a plan for your purpose. One of the things I want you to see this, and and I want you to write this. I want you to write this in the comments. Number one, I am redeemed to prosper. I am redeemed to prosper. I want you to write that and never forget it. I am redeemed to prosper. Part of your redemption covenant is to prosper financially. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 8 and verse 9 that Christ, Christ, we're talking about Christ in context. Though he was rich, yet for your sakes, he became poor. That through his poverty, he could make you rich. The word rich there means rich. Doesn't mean spiritually rich. Doesn't mean somehow emotionally rich. It means rich. The word pluteo, plutos, uh, in the original Greek language means natural wealth and riches. That's what he's saying. It's the same thing that's said in Revelation chapter 5 and verse 12. Worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth, which is riches in one translation. Same word, plutos, pluteo. It's the word that means natural wealth and riches. It was purchased for you by Jesus Christ. Your ability to prosper. You're called. You are redeemed. That's why I had you put in the comments. You're redeemed to prosper. You should abound. You should abound in all things and never be ashamed about the fact that you overflow. Never. You should never let somebody make you feel ashamed that you you have abundance, that you overflow in God, ever. Who do they think they are? Who do they think they're talking to? Guy got on the other night on my channel while we're live. I'll put your house on, on Twitter. I'll put your car on Twitter. I'll put where your kids go to school on Twitter. Why would that bother me? Why would any of that bother me? Do you honestly think that I'm ashamed of the house that God gave me? Do you think I'm ashamed of that? Do you think I don't want people to see that? I mean, you have have lost, first of all, the guy doesn't know me, but I mean, if anybody that does know me, you have lost your mind if you think that I'm ashamed of the house I'm sitting in that God gave me that was a supernatural miracle. 
and that it's one of the nicest properties on the block. You have lost your mind if you think I'm ashamed that God put me in this place. And you think you're going to shame me by putting it online? I put it online. It's on my story all the time when we're going doing stuff around the house. You think I'm trying to hide the things God's done for me? That, see, that's how religion thinks. Let me just explain something to, to those of you that are watching, and I'll explain it to you logically so that people understand this. People that are religious think like that. People that are religious think that. Well, if, if, if you let people know that you're blessed, they're not going to want to give to your ministry because they're going to think, you know, that, uh, you know, that you consume it all upon you, which people don't even know that when they give, I mean, I don't, I don't even have to say this. I'm teaching you on, I'm teaching you on the blessing. So I'm not, I don't have to say this and I'm not saying it so that you'll give, you'll either give or you won't makes no difference to me. But when people give on these broadcasts, something that's important to note is that none of the money, none of the money that comes in on these broadcasts that people are sowing night after night after night goes to me or goes to Carolyn personally. None of it, not a dime of it does. So if people think, well, you know, he just lives, he lives the high life because they're given on his, on his broadcast. No, it has nothing to do with that. None of the money comes to me. None of it. Nothing you give on this broadcast buys my house. Nothing you give on this broadcast or, you know, buys my car, pays my car payment. I don't take any uh, paycheck out of this money. I could. There's nothing wrong with taking a paycheck. There's absolutely nothing wrong. In fact, the Bible teaches that ministers, those who minister the gospel, are worthy of double honor, double honor. Paul actually made that a point to the churches. He said, don't muzzle the ox while he's treading the grain. What he was teaching them was that if somebody, and he, he actually taught this very thing, if somebody ministers to you spiritual things, you're to minister back to them natural things, that they're worthy to be paid well, paid well. And so I want you to hear this because there's absolutely nothing wrong if I did do that. But, you know, not... If I sit here on the broadcast, I'm encouraging you because it's going to put increase into your house. It's going to put increase into your life. It's going to cause you to overflow. That's what sowing and reaping does. It puts you in a place to overflow. And so I have, I'll just be very honest with you. I am so thankful that God's blessed me the way that he has because it's only him. I couldn't have done it. I couldn't have done it. And so if he did it, why should I ever be ashamed of it? Think about that. If God's the one who blessed me, why should I ever be ashamed of that? I won't be, and neither should you. And don't let any religious nut job ever make you feel uh, ashamed that you're blessed, that you overflow. You know, I have a really, I have a few really nice watches and if I think about it, all of them were given to me. All of them were given to me. They're all harvests of watches that I've given away personally. But if I sit down next to somebody and they've got a critical spirit and they look at that wristwatch, they say, oh, wow, Brother Ted, preaching must be going really well with that watch you got going. People say stupid stuff like that, by the way. People say dumb stuff. 
So if I sit down next to me, wow, the evangelistic ministry must be doing really well, uh, uh, you know, based on the looks of that watch you got on your wrist. What do they, what do they want me to do? Well, I know, I know what you're thinking. I mean, it is, and it is an expensive watch, brother. But uh, you know, it was it was given to me. You know, I didn't have to pay a dime for this. It didn't come out of the ministry. Like, what what do you think they want me to do? Sit there and hem and haw and apologize and oh well, you know, I want you to know I, I didn't actually have to go in and and uh, buy that watch. That was actually something given to me. I would I couldn't imagine spending that kind. Of, what if I did spend the money on the watch? It's my money. I'll spend it on whatever I want. It's like it's ridiculous. Can't imagine shaming someone for what they choose to do with the their own money. That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Dumbest thing I've ever heard. What if I did? You know, that's what. I used to blow my mind. I was talking to my cousin about this. I stood up for ministers that went and, and bought their uh, their jet, their private jet. I've got zero issue with people being blessed. And so when back when a certain minister was catching a lot of heat on the news and you know everything for, for getting a private jet, <coughs> I started taking a stance because people were kind of really trying to trash him. Christian people. Christian people. And you know what they said? Think think about this. Think about it logically. The principle. Think about the principle. This is what they said. Did you hear that such and such a minister bought a $64 million jet? And they've proven that he could have bought that a jet for half of that that would do the same thing. He should have never done. Well, it's his own ministry. It's his own partners that have chosen to earmark those funds for that very purpose. First of all, they act like he's embezzling the money to do that. Stupid. They act like he's embezzling money or somehow misappropriating funds to, to do that. He's publicly made it, he's made it public to his partner base this is what we're purchasing. This jet that costs $64 million. None of them said, I can you know what you know what they would do if they didn't like it? Not give any money. They would just not give any money. No one's being forced or coerced at gunpoint. But you know what? They gave. And he purchased it and he bought it and flowed. And people were so done to get it. Do you know that he could have got a jet that would have done the same thing for half that? And I asked a very simple question. Very simple. I said, let me ask you a question, you know, because people, people say stuff that they think they really are standing for something that they don't even do, that they don't even live by that. And so, you know, they'll say stuff like he could have taken the excess and given it all to the poor. This is what like, like he's like, it's eat once again, like it's either or he's doing both. He's already giving tons and tons of money for the poor. And these people that are these little Facebook comment warriors haven't given a dime to help the poor. But I ask a simple question. I said, let me ask you a question. Uh, Have you ever bought shoes anywhere other than Walmart or Goodwill? Well, of course I have. Do you have any Nike running shoes in in your closet? Any. Do you have any Adidas, any Nike, any Reebok, any whatever? Do you have any Puma? Do you have anything? Do you have anything name brand? Well, of course I do. Well, in that case, 
The same thing you said about him is true about you on a smaller scale because you could have gone to Goodwill or Walmart and bought shoes that would do the exact same thing your Nikes are doing for much less money and you could have given the excess to the poor. Why didn't you do it? Why didn't you do it? The reason they didn't do it is because they don't even live that way. They, they act like that. Like I'm a principal man. If you are, how come you don't live your life like that? Why don't you buy the cheapest of everything and then take the excess and give it to the poor? Because people don't even live like, they act like everyone's supposed to be held to some standard. You don't even believe that. You go out and buy name brand stuff for yourself. You know, same people are carrying around a little Louis Vuitton purse so that they can have status in society and act like they're somebody under their $29,000 of credit card debt, but they got a little Louis Vuitton purse and they could have gone and bought a purse at Walmart that would have carried all their crap and then given the rest of the money to the poor. And they don't do it because they don't even believe that. And they want to shame you and shame me because God's blessed us and we're a blessing. That's a foolish thing. And I will never be shamed by some religious nut job that doesn't even understand logic enough to know that the things that they're saying don't even make sense logically. It's hypocritical, totally hypocritical. If you buy Cheerios over Toastios, that makes you a hypocrite. You could have saved that extra 74 cents and given it to the poor. They don't even do that. Because remember this, if something is true, it's true at every level. That's so important that you get that. If something is true, it's true at every level. Truth is scalable. Truth is scalable. Don't allow any religious or antichrist spirit to make you feel ashamed that you prosper and that you abound and that you overflow. They don't know where God brought you from. They don't know your, listen, they don't know what you've been sowing, what you've been expecting, what you've been praying, that you've been fasting. They don't know the seeds that you've sown. They don't know the sacrifices that you've made and they don't have the right to determine what you can or cannot do, what you should or should not do. Who do you think you're talking to? Exactly. I like that quote, business Brad. How you do anything is how you do everything. I like that. It's true. It's absolutely true. I refuse to be shamed. And you should refuse to be shamed. Don't allow people to make you feel bad. Don't allow, don't allow people, and people will do that. They'll do it with the house you live in. They'll do it with the car you drive. They'll do it with the clothes you got on. And here's what they'll try to say. Now, remember this. They'll try to say, well, brother, how could I or how could you have so much when others in this world don't have anything? Remember that. That's the argument that they'll use. How could you or how could I continue to have so much when others in this world don't have anything? Remember this. Somebody's lack does not determine my abundance. I want you to write that in the comments. Someone else's lack does not determine my abundance. Ever. Ever. 
It does not. Somebody who's without, and I'll, and I'll prove this to you from scripture, because the Bible says in the parable of, of the, uh, the servants or the talents in Matthew 25, that, uh, that the master gave his three servants talents, five, two, and one. When he came back, the five turned it into 10, the two turned it into four, the one buried it. What did he do with the one who buried it? He said, I'm taking it away from you and I'll give it to the one who has 10. These people would freak out and say, how dare Jesus do that? That one's already got 10. He only has one. What you should really do is take some of the, some of the uh, talents from the 10 and distribute it down to the one. That's what they think because they're socialist nut jobs. But the kingdom of God is not a socialist kingdom. The kingdom of God is not a socialist kingdom. You should take from the one that's got 10 and give it to the one. That's not how God's kingdom works. My abundance is based on my faithfulness, my obedience. Their lack is based on their lack of obedience, their lack of faithfulness. Because God's principles are always true. His principles are always true. And so I'm not going to allow that, that argument that doesn't even make any sense. By the way, how, let me ask you a question. How am I supposed to help somebody who is without if I don't even have enough? You hear what I'm saying? How am I supposed to help somebody who doesn't have anything if I'm without or if I'm living it just enough? See, that's the demonic part about just enough. It keeps you in a place where you can survive, but you can't be a blessing. You can survive, but you can't be a blessing. You can survive, but you can't, you can't ever impact your world for Christ. And that happens. It happens to people. They get tricked into believing that you should just believe for your needs to be met. Oh my goodness. For your needs to be met. That's what they're believing for? What a huge faith that is. I'm just believing we'll have milk in the refrigerator. I'm just believing that we'll have meat in the freezer. That's where your faith is at? That's where your faith is at for the rest of your life? You think that's the end goal of life? To have your needs met? That's crazy. I agree with you, Mike. Mike DeBlasi said on YouTube, God's got enough for the jet and for the poor. That's the point, is that there's plenty to go around. There's no run out with God. There's no run out with God. God has more than enough for everybody. It's not either or. It's not either we just do with what we can while we help others. To, no, it's not that. It's God can overflow me and God can overflow them. God can take me into abundance and use me to bring them into abundance. No question. That's, that's the whole point of overflow. That's what God does. He is El Shaddai. He's the many-breasted one. He is Jehovah Jireh, the provider. And so catch that with me. There's more than enough. There's more. There's more. This is not the last stop on your road to increase. This is not your last stop. 
It's not your last stop. You are redeemed to prosper. Redeemed to prosper. Do you know the Bible says, I want to just give you this statistic real quick because I think it'll blow your mind. The Bible says in Galatians 3, uh, what is it, 13 and 14, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. For it's written, cursed is every man that's hung on a tree. So think of this. Christ redeemed us from the curse pronounced by the law. We say, well, what is that? Go back to the law and read what the curse was. Deuteronomy 28, 15 through 68. And you know what you'll find? That there are 54 verses of curse. Of the 54, 34 deal with their economic welfare. 34 out of 54 verses deal with the curse that would come upon their finances. That's 63% of the curse. Think about it. 63% of the curse dealt with their money. You'll be cursed in the city, cursed in the field, cursed in your basket, cursed in your store. Everything your hand touches will, will be cursed. 63% of the curse was financial. But Christ has redeemed us from the curse pronounced by the law. Think about that. I will not be cursed financially because I'm redeemed to prosper. And so are you. I am redeemed to prosper. Both, here's what people try to like separate it. Well, you know, what Jesus really died for was just our sins. No, that's not true. That's the ultimate thing, but it's not the only thing. It's not the only thing. No. Uh, Sheila said, so if I want to increase and prosper financially, is it wrong? Is it a wrong motive to intentionally set aside a certain percentage to sow into God's kingdom? Of course not. That's faith. We do that, my wife and I. We set goals and we say, you know what? This year, we're going to sow far more than we did last year. And we're not only going to sow more total, we're going to sow more in one offering than we did in one offering last year. We will sow the largest one-time seed that we ever have. You know what I'm looking forward to? Because we gave a lot of money last year, a lot. And I know that's relative, but I'm just telling you, it was a lot. It was a lot. But we also gave the largest one-time offering. God's honored our faith to do that every single year. It's all because of his own grace, mercy, and his blessing. But let me tell you, Yeah, that's a great thought. Zach says, we save to sow big one-time seeds. People say, what does that matter? I'll tell you why it matters. (laughs) Because, uh, you know, I will will say this, and I I understand it might be, it's not splitting hairs because God, God will check on the level of your flesh as he's raising you to next levels. It's one thing to give $1,000 spread out over a year 10 times. 
It's another thing to sit down and write a $10,000 check. I can tell you that right now. It's one thing, you hear what I say? To sow $1,000 over the year 10 times. It's a whole nother thing to sow a $10,000 seed. Because as you sow a $1,000 check 10 times, it doesn't feel the same on your flesh as a $10,000 check going out. I promise you that. I promise you that. Doesn't feel the same at all. Doesn't feel the same at all. You know, if you if you finished a year of 12 months and you gave $5,000 as your year end and you know every week at church you were giving offerings, let me tell you. Sit down and write a $5,000 check and put it in the offering plate and tell me how that feels to your flesh feels way different. And and one of the things you'll recognize is that as God keeps leveling you up, he'll keep checking on your flesh to see if any level that he has ever brought you to is ever a level that you have settled in at and said, you know what? Now I can't keep doing things like I used to do at this level. Now I love the blessing too much to release it. He'll check your heart. He will check your heart. You know, he'll see if things ever have you or if you just have them. He will check your heart. And that's one of the reasons we do it because someone asked, is it more important to sow one big seed? Kayla, it's not that it's more important. It's just that one of the things we do, we're telling God, nothing will ever be too big for you or your kingdom. Nothing. Love you, Ed. Nothing will ever be too big for you and your kingdom. I'll be happy and I'm not there yet. I'm not there yet, but I'll get there where I will be happy to write that $100,000 check as an offering. I'll be happy and I'm going that way. I'm going that direction. I will be happy. I've not done it yet. I'm not at that level, but I will be there. I will be there. I'm not there yet, but I'll be ready When God sets me there, I'll be ready to sow that $1 million check, and I will. You mark my words down. I'm not there now, but I will be there. And when I get there, my flesh will shut up and come under submission, and my hands will write that check, and my feet will walk me to that altar, and my hand will put that check in the offering plate, and I will then dance back to my seat, thanking God that he lifted me to the level where I can be a $1 million sower. You better believe that's right. Same with the 100000 How does he know that he can take me there? He knows because I've done it with the $1. I've done it with the $10. I've done it with the $100. I've done it with the $1,000. I've done it with the $2,500. I've done it with the $5,000. I've done it with the $10,000. I've done it with the eleven dollars and $12,000, $15,000. I'll keep on going. And he knows that I will. He knows that I will. So I'm going to keep on giving not just the largest Uh, throughout an entire year, but every year my flesh is going to get a test. And that test is going to be, where are you this year, Ted and Carolyn? Where are you this year now that I've raised you up to another level? Do you love the blessing more or do you love me more? And my hands will always write the big check. Nobody, let me tell you, 
can I just say something to you? I don't care. Like, I have a, a great pastor, Bishop Rick Thomas. Uh, before that, my, my pastor, pa- Pastor Terry Shuttlesworth, my uncle. Both of them phenomenal teaching on finance and th- biblical economics. But I'll just tell you this. They don't have to exhort me into a place of sowing seed. They don't have to exhort me. Uh, let me let me just give you an example. Whether you whether you got up in the pulpit and preached for an hour on the importance of sowing large seed or not, it's not going to change the fact. You could get up and in ten seconds say, "How many know it's very important to be a sower in the kingdom of God?" I'm going to sow just as much out of my abundance on the 10-second exhortation or the one-hour message on biblical finance. It's not going to change me. I know it might change others. But, you know, as a mature believer, you should get to the point where you understand, I don't have to be coaxed into giving. I don't have to be cheer-led. How many know it's time to give? What is it? Blessing time. What is it? Giving time. Hallelujah. Let's all shout and say amen. We're getting... And thank God for celebrating it. But we shouldn't have to be coaxed, cheer-led, pushed, prompted into generous giving. It should just be who we are because we're covenant people. Covenant people. That's who we should be. It doesn't matter. To me, I'm not saying to others, to me, the exhortation doesn't matter. I thank God for the revelation that I get from the teaching and the exhortation, it's not going to change whether or not I tithe. I don't sit back and go, let me tell you something. Bishop Rick better have a powerful word on finances this week or I'm not giving. No, it wouldn't matter if he ever gave a word on finances. I will still give just as large. Why? Because I know that's what I should do as a covenant man. Don't be cheer-led. Don't have to be cheer-led. Don't have to be prompted, pushed, manipulated. Don't have to be like frothed up into giving. Give because you know it's right and that God has a blessing for you and that there's increase available for you. Give for that reason. Give knowing that as I do, I'm going to another level and he's making me a blessing to my generation. Give for that reason. And then as God prospers you, never be ashamed. I wonder sometimes because it's just the same. It's just the same as if you were ashamed of your salvation. The same blood that purchased your salvation is the same blood that purchased your healing. It's the same blood that purchased your prosperity. And so what they're really saying is, if you think it out logically, if I'm supposed to be ashamed of my prosperity, that should mean that I also have to be ashamed of my divine health and I should have to be ashamed of my salvation and holiness. That's stupid. That's a stupid way of thinking. So think of it because the same blood purchased all three things, salvation, healing, prosperity. Are you ashamed of your salvation? Let me ask you that. Are you ashamed of your righteous position with God? 
Are you ashamed of your holiness that you don't live in sin? Or are you happy about that? Oh, of course you're happy about it. Are you ashamed of divine healing? Are you ashamed that you walk in divine health and that miracle working power is available to you? No, you're not ashamed of that. You're thankful for it. In the same way, because it's in the same package bought with the same blood, I refuse to be ashamed of my financial prosperity, and I never will be. And that's how it is. Zach gives the testimony on Facebook. What used to take huge faith to give seems insignificant to give now. You know why? Because as God lifts you up and takes you to next levels, you have to continue to be introspective. That's what I said when I was teaching with Carolyn the other day. We said, we got to be introspective. What does that mean? I'm looking at myself and I'm asking, does this seed still mean the same thing to me that it used to? If it doesn't, I got to level up. There came a time, hear me, there came a time when a $1,000 seed didn't mean the same thing to us anymore. Just didn't. It just did not. We could feel that. We could feel that it wasn't the same faith. Why? God had leveled us up and continued to level us up. Yeah, Daniel, you're a a blessing. Daniel said, I give more in a month than I used to give in an entire year. That's increase. Daniel's a partner of ours, very generous man. But let me tell you something. The way you know is by being, you say, Lord, first of all, what do you want me to give? You ask the Lord, you follow his leading. But then when you're giving and you're thinking to yourself, I feel, you know, I feel to give this. And you know, it used to take you massive faith. You know, $100 as an offering used to be to you like, my Lord, I don't even know if I can release this. But now when you go to give $100, it doesn't quite feel the same. It doesn't take, you do it almost, you could almost do it like flippantly. Yeah, $100, $100. It's a sign to you. It's time to level up. I'm showing you this because many people never talk about this part. They talk about giving. They talk about tithing. They talk about confession. But what I'm talking about is keeping an eye on your own life and saying, Lord, is this still really the same to me? Is $100? Because here's the question. Think of this. Is $100 the same to someone who's 10 years old as it is to a multimillionaire? No, it's not the same. It's not the same. And so if a 10-year-old gave a $100 offering, it would mean more to God than if a multimillionaire gave a $100 offering. Why? Because God judges you based on the level you're standing in. You see that? Look at that, Kayla said, I'm leveling up. I used to only tithe and I've slowly started sowing seeds. I sowed my first hundred last month. Praise God. I rejoice with Kayla because God's taken her to new levels, new levels. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 9, 7, he gives seed to the sower. That's what he's doing for Kayla. That's what he's doing for you. He's giving seed to the sower. 
And more than ever before, it is important for us right now, right now, to step out in faith. Here's why. I'm going to give you a couple of reasons why before we pray. Number one, urgency. Urgency. Jesus is coming. He's coming. And if he's coming, then we've got to do what he's asked us to do. Get this gospel out. To get the gospel out, it takes the body of Christ who is willing to send the gospel by sowing seed. And this is not something we have forever to do. It's a limited time offer. Urgency. Urgency. That's number one. Number two, got to activate your Abrahamic covenant. I am blessed. What did God say to Abraham? I will bless you and I will make you a blessing. The second reason that I've got to level up is that not only to push the gospel out, but number two, I'm called to flourish to be a blessing to everybody around me in the world. Everyone. A good man, a holy man, a righteous man leaves an inheritance to his children's children. You have not done it yet unless you've been a blessing to your grandchildren. You're not blessed enough if, if you've not made your grandchildren blessed. Let me say it that way. According to scripture, you're not blessed enough unless you've made your grandchildren blessed. I, a good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children. So, well, I think I've got enough at this point. Oh, really? Have you caused your grandchildren to abound in blessing financially? Because that's scriptural. That's scriptural. So number one, the urgency of the harvest. Number two, activating your Abrahamic covenant. You've got to be a blessing to your family and to those around you. Number three, I'm called, and we're doing it, as you know, this ministry does it, I'm called to bless the poor. I can't even do that unless I overflow and abound financially. And I, and I am abounding and they are being blessed every single day. Hundreds of kids around the world are eating because we're blessed and we overflow. I called them up on purpose. I said, I called Dr. Sumrall's organization. I said, I want you to tell me I had our, our, our office do it. I said, I want you to tell me what it's going to take to be in the top 1% of givers to your organization. They said, well, let us check. We'll give you a number. They called us back. They said, actually, Brother Ted, you're already in the top 1%. We are blessed to be a blessing. Blessed to be a blessing. Pastor Bill Motley says, your seed is a picture of your faith. You can't fake it. You can't fake it. You can't say, I've got great faith and never take an action of a seed. The Bible says in the book of James, faith without works is dead being alone. My works, my righteous actions are proof that I believe the word of God. Thank you, Jackie, for sowing a seed. See, it's already getting into people's spirit. Jackie jumped on and sowed 200 because it's already getting in people's spirit. A generosity. I'm going to take what God said is mine and I refuse to be ashamed to be blessed. I'm not going to let people with a religious spirit or those that aren't saved with an antichrist spirit make me feel ashamed for being blessed. That's crazy. 
And I love what Pastor Bill said. And I want you to write it in the comments. A seed, your seed is a picture of your faith. Your seed is a picture. I love the story of Jesus in the temple watching people give their offerings. And all these rich men came down and gave from their abundance. But one woman came down and placed, the Bible says, two mites. And Jesus turned and he said, this woman has given more than all these rich men. They were blown away. How can that be? Look what she gave. He said, yeah, but they gave from their abundance. She gave all that she had. What did she do? She gave all that she had. What does that mean? Her seed was a picture of her faith in God and a picture of her love. She gave all that she had. And Jesus looked at it and said, based on what she has left over, that's a picture of her faith and a picture of her love. And that's what it is. When we sow, it's a picture of our faith at work what we're expecting God to do. Don't ever let somebody ever tell you again or say to you without responding to them, well, brother, we don't give to get. People say that. We don't give to get. What a stupid thing to say. Of course we give to get. It's the system God set up. Give and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. As long as the earth remains, there'll be seed time and harvest. And harvest is part of seed time. You know, God didn't say in Genesis 8, 22, as long as the earth remains, there'll be seed time. That's not what he said. He said, as long as the earth remains, there'll be seed time and harvest. Harvest is part of the system. I give to get. Well, brother, we don't give to get. I do. I don't know what you do it for. I give to get because God wants me to give to get. He wants to put greater things back into my life. So he's asking me to do something by faith so that he can release to me the greater things. I absolutely give to get. I love what Bishop Rick says. He said, if you truly believe that, he said, Take a breath and hold it because in order to take the next one, you've got to give the one away that you just took. (laughs) Very plain. If you're breathing, every breath you take in, in order to get another one, you got to give that one away. You better give it to get it. You better give it to get it. You know, people that say that kind of stuff don't even believe it. Well, brother, we don't give to get. Oh, really? So you go to your job and give all of your time and all of your effort all your blood, sweat, and tears at your job. And when payday comes, you go down to human resources and say, thanks for the paycheck, but we don't give to get. You guys just keep the paycheck. I'm just out of a generous heart. I'm working for the company. No, that's stupid. That's stupid. You gave your time, effort, talent. You were away from your family. What for? To get. To get. That's the key. That's why a seed is so powerful. That's why a seed is so powerful. A seed contains within it the harvest that God has planned for your life. And that's why he gives seed to the sower because he's giving you the fuel to kickstart his system. 
seed time and harvest. He said, I'll set up the system. Here it is, seed time and harvest. I'll put you in my system and then I will put seed in your hand. You think about that. He doesn't make you run around trying to find one. He'll put one in your hand. It's powerful. And so God's taken us higher. I took tonight, I wanted to build your faith because in these spirit of faith sessions, one of the areas where your faith needs to be built is in the area of finance. You need to understand the area of finance is one of God's systems to take us into a place of extreme productivity, extreme productivity. Let me ask you a question. What did God do when he wanted a harvest of souls on the earth? He sowed a life. When he wanted you and when he wanted me and when he wanted everybody else that's in the body of Christ, what did he do? He gave a life so that he could harvest life. That's why Jesus is called the incorruptible seed of the word. He was the first fruits of the dead. He was the seed. We are the harvest. A seed always reproduces and becomes a harvest. Always. And God is getting ready to take you and me in this year of 2020 into a place of violent increase and expedited favor. No question. Violent increase and expedited favor. It's going to be your story. It's going to be mine. It's like our brother that wrote in in, in January when we were in Atlanta. As he was in the revival, he said, literally, I just signed a contract today that'll triple my income for the year. We've had multiple testimonies like that come back through the first quarter. It will be your testimony in Jesus' name, in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. And here's what I want you to hear. I don't want you to be afraid. I don't want you to be uh, uh, worried about the future. I want you to activate God's system and stay in faith and expect God to bring you the increase. Hallelujah. And he will. He will. And so what we're going to do is I'm going to pray for you because it's important to understand that financial increase, which you should never, as I taught tonight, never be embarrassed, ever be embarrassed about the increase in your life, ever. God put it there. Promotion doesn't come from men, it comes from the Lord. But we're going to pray. And here's what I want you to know. I could teach on this until I'm blue in the face. But financial increase, it does not answer to fasting and prayer. It doesn't answer to church attendance. It doesn't answer to Bible reading. It doesn't answer to confession. God's system of sowing and reaping is only activated by a seed an actual seed. You could pray, read the Bible, fast, go to church and confess faith confessions, but if you never sowed a seed, no blessing is coming. Why? Because the system is activated by a seed. And so in a minute, we're going to pray and ask the Lord to speak to you because God has plans to bless you in a big way. We've had... uh, I could read you. We've had testimonies coming back by text and by message on social. People saying like, Brother Ted, you got to hear this and and listening, listing their testimonies. God's going to do the same for you. He will do the same for you. The key is what is he asking you to do? 
And so two prayers we're going to pray. Number one, we're going to pray that the Holy Spirit speaks to every person with an instruction of what they should sow. And number two, I'll pray the prayer of faith. The two are not linked. You don't have to give anything to receive the prayer of faith. You don't have to give a dime for me to pray for you for healing, miracles, deliverance. Uh, None of that. None of that. It doesn't cost you anything to receive a miracle or healing or deliverance or the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Those are free gifts from the Lord Jesus Christ. But if you want to see overflow financially, it comes from obedience. And so I want you to thank you, Zeke. Thank you. Zeke, you're an answer. You and Rebecca are an answer to Carolyn and my prayers. Because one of the things we prayed was that God would attach us to at least a thousand people that would stand with this ministry and believe that this generation will be changed by the power of God. And so we thank you and welcome to the Miracle Word family and thank you for partnering with us. We love and appreciate you. I'm going to pray right now and I know many need, many need miracles, healing. And so I want you to bow your head wherever you're watching and I want you to receive this prayer of faith. I'm asking God to touch your physical body, make you whole, bring peace to your mind, joy to your mind. So so I want you to bow your head. If you're with somebody, if you're watching this, join hands and receive this prayer tonight. Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, I pray for every person watching. I take authority tonight over sickness and disease, those that have been attacked in their body. I, I rebuke it. I come in to loose its grip and let them go in Jesus' name. I lose healing virtue. Come upon their body tonight. Make them whole by the power of God. In the mighty name of Jesus. Lord, I pray now, those that are battling depression, anxiety, panic attacks, suicidal thoughts, I ask you, Lord, to touch them. Let the joy of the Lord fill them up. Jesus' name. Those that are battling, they've got no peace. I pray that tonight you give them a peace that passes all understanding. All understanding. In Jesus' name. Lord, for those that are locked up in addiction, invisible prisons, set them free. Set them free tonight by the power of your spirit. For your glory, nicotine, opioids, pornography, prescription medication, loose them and let them go tonight. In Jesus' name, we thank you, Lord. We give you praise and glory for your goodness and your mercy. Now, Lord, as the faith has been built of your people tonight, give every one of them an instruction. What you would ask them to sow and to give into this session tonight by faith, believing for increase, believing for overflow, 2020, our year of violent increase and expedited favor. We thank you, Lord, that we hear your voice clearly and we will do what you ask us to do. In Jesus' mighty name, Amen. Now listen, for every person you're watching, the Lord's speaking to you. And as I said, there's never been any, and I hope you know this, there's never been any pressure on this broadcast for anybody to give. We don't put pressure on people. We just tell you, do what the Holy Spirit tells you to do. Do what the Holy Spirit tells you to do. And so, as the Holy Spirit speaks to you individually tonight, do what he's telling you to do. There's many easy ways to give. If you're on Twitter, Periscope, Facebook, you can always use hashtag donate 
in the comments section. Of course, there's Cash App, PayPal, Venmo. Also, I think the easiest way, thank you, Spencer, the easiest way is to go to miracleword.com and you can sow there. Or if you would like to partner with us, as Zeke and his wife did, you can do that at miracleword.com. And click the and you can click on the partner tab and you can fill out the form. The Cash App uh, business Brad is on the screen. It's M W Give dollar sign M W for Miracle Word Give, and it's there on your screen now. Same for Venmo, and then PayPal information is on the screen. Easiest way MiracleWord.com, and you can partner there. You can give there. Some people still like to send a check, believe it or not. They like to actually trust the United States Postal Service that things will actually uh, come through. And God bless you for having such faith in uh, the United States Postal Service. If you'd like to send a check, our, our address is on the footer of every page of our website, miracleword.com, P.O. Box 65116, Virginia Beach, Virginia, 23467. And you can make the check payable to miracleword.com. By the way, all, every offering, every seed you sow is tax deductible as allowed by law. And for every person that's sowing in the month of April, guess what? We are going to hook you up with one of the best books I've ever read. And without a question, the best book I've ever read on end time prophecy called The End by Dr. Mark Hitchcock. So any person that's sowing $100 or more over the whole month will receive this as our gift to you. And it's a phenomenal book. You know, I appreciate you saying that, Ashley. We love Ashley and Ted. She said, I'll tell you right now, partnering with Miracle Word was one of the best decisions of our lives. And I'll tell you, they're abundantly blessed. It's just miracle after miracle for them. And I'm telling you, it's only going to get better, Ashley and Ted. It's only going to get better. God's laying his hand on your business on your ability to do trading, and it's going to get better, better, better for you guys. Never-ending increase. This is not your last stop on the uh, road to increase. You can even see, I mean, you, there go their names across the screen, Ted and Ashley Melton, Jeff and Marisa, Marissa Eford. Uh, I, I look at Dave and Abby Condon. Those that are partnered with us, we love you so much, and we pray for you by name. We appreciate you more than you know. We love you. We do love you. Carolyn and I love you very much. We love being with you. We love getting to see you when we're in meetings together, and we love seeing you online. And so I'll take just a minute as people are sowing, taking time to sow their seed. In a minute, we're going to shout. I'm going to take you out with one of my favorite. Uh, this is one that I think I've only ever played one time. But this, if you want to dance tonight on a Saturday night, thank you, Jeanette. Love you so much. Appreciate you sowing. Love you, Ted. You know, those of you who don't know, Ted Melton is one of the most talented guys. He does all kinds of custom woodwork and carpentry and cabinets and all the stuff for kitchens and stuff. And I'm going to tell you something. He hooked me up. He made me a cross out of, I believe it was four different kinds of wood, a, a custom-made cross. And uh, it's one of the most beautiful things you've ever seen as he, he inlaid all that wood. He even put LED strip lighting on it. Just an anointed man. I truly believe God's people are the most, not only uh, 
wonderful people, but I believe they're the most talented people because they have the advantage of the Holy Spirit that teaches them all things. And uh, I love them so much. Thank you too, Jackie. Thank you, Julie, for sowing a seed. We love you guys for standing with us. It means a lot to us, but even better than that, people are being blessed and you're being blessed. And listen to me, as you're being blessed, send us those testimonies. Let us know what God's doing in your life because we want to share it. We don't hide the things God does. We shout it. We let people know because there's power in our, in our testimony. Revelation 12, 11, read it later. Power in our testimony. And as you guys know, all of those of you who are standing with us at $1,000 or more, you sow that seed, this is our gift to you. The Genuine Leather Life Application Study Bible, New Living Translation, one of my favorite new Bible study tools. I'll make this out to you, send it to you, along with the book in April to tell you that we love you. Hickory, walnut, and soft maple. And let me tell you, it's beautiful. It is beautiful. Absolutely. It is a beautiful Bible. You know, I have something for, I really, really love, and maybe it's just me, but I really, really love. I'm, I used to be, I don't know what happened really. I used to be kind of a, when it all came out, I'll be very honest with you, when, it all, when everything came out, I was, I was like a, uh, an iPad, iPhone, Bible kind of person, but that changed about six, seven years ago. And I went back and I love to have a genuine leather Bible. This one was given to me uh, as a gift and I love it. This is an English standard version. Uh, and I believe it's either goat skin or calf skin, caramel brown, navy blue inlay, navy blue ribbons. This is, I mean, it's like, this thing is as soft. There's nothing like a, like a genuine leather Bible, which is why we're sending that Bible to you. And I, don't, I, I can't stand bonded leather and fake, you know, the leather-like. I can't stand that stuff, and it falls apart. So we want to give you something nice. Alberta, what a testimony. We are finally debt-free. God is so good. I agree. And thank God for it. Thank you, guys. I'll be back again. Of course, we're not live again in the morning, but we'll be back tomorrow night for Spirit of Faith sessions again. And uh, I want you to get out of your seat wherever you're sitting in your house and get ready to dance because we're going to give you a little praise break action as we head out tonight. Have a phenomenal night. Have a phenomenal Sunday tomorrow. Watch your church. Be online with your church. Uh, give, tithe. Make sure you're supporting and praying for your pastors that love you and that they're praying for you and uh, continue to press in. I love you guys so much. We'll talk to you soon. See you tomorrow night, 7 p.m. Eastern time. Until then, it's time to shout. Let's do it. Sometime you got to learn that praise ain't just for you. Sometime you can throw up a praise for what he gonna do in somebody else's life. Look at neighbor and say, neighbor, Leacock couldn't be here. So what I'm going to do right now, this next praise is for you, Lika, and Cheryl. It is a praise of a turnaround. One, two, one, two. 
listen carefully. Let me explain something to y'all. Our church is made up of different groups. Young, old. We got some former Presbyterians. We got some former Episcopalians. We got some former Catholics. We got some AME folk, former CME folk. And we even got some former, some, some real Baptist people. And then we got some Pentecostal people, some cogent people, some apostolic people. Here's my concern. Because we come from different backgrounds, everybody can't get in on this one. If you're a Presbyterian, most of them ain't got no rhythm. If you're Episcopalian, this is too loud. If you're a Methodist, you can't put them up and put them down the right way. If you're Baptist, you're used to devotion. So what I need right now, I need everybody who got a dance. Pentecostal, apostolic, I need you to do me a favor. I need you to intercede and praise for the folk who ain't got no rhythm. The folk who don't know how to put them up and put them down. I don't want nobody here to get left out. So if you gonna believe God's gonna turn around, I need my Pentecostal folk to get in the aisle and seal this thing now with a dance for every non-dancer, for every former Methodist, for every former Episcopalian. I need you to get ugly and let's have an Azusa Street moment.
Now that's the stuff leaders should be made of.